0: I was gonna say maybe we should just skip the stories this week because i literally have nothing again <laughs>
1: oh, i don't have anything either i mean it's yeah i like i've just been working and training my replacement because we finally have one and oh nice um we'll see how long she lasts but uh <laughs>
0: yeah she
1: can feel it <laughs> yeah i mean well she seems interested enough in just working the job but she's trying to do she's married and she's trying to do this thing where her husband is staying at their place uh in like the big city that's two hours away and she's going to live with some relatives in a small town during the week oh in you know you know in her territory yikes because she doesn't want to move yet um so she's doing like a, a thing where she's just basically going home on the weekends and mm-hmm. staying with relatives during the week, and that sounds yeah awful. Yeah, it so. sounds pretty unsustainable. Yeah, um, we'll see what. But I guess happens.
0: yeah, if she likes it enough, maybe she can convince herself to move there with her husband.
1: But yeah, they they own their house, know I- so I don't. I think that's a part of it, you know, that's a big commitment to sell your house, to move to a less populated and less interesting area, I'm not going to lie, there's a lot yeah. less to do out <laughs> here.
0: Uh, she she probably should have got a job that's a little bit closer to home, but hey, we'll see if she can make it work.
1: Yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But, yeah, I got nothing. It's the holidays are coming up, you know, so. I know <laughs> I did go to the um,
0: lighting of the state tree oh, yeah. um, this weekend and yeah. it was very like interesting The I think in the, the most interesting part was how they select the tree. So they pretty much have um, DNR, the Department of Natural Resources s- staff drive around and look for trees that are, like, seemingly eligible to be the state tree. Mm-hmm. And so then they identify one that they like. And then they go, they they do it on private property. They don't harvest a tree from their own land. And so they ask the people, yeah, they ask the people whose um, land the tree is on if they'd be willing to donate the tree. And, you know, this is, like, a, it's a huge tree. Yeah. It's not a nursery-grown
1: tree, that's for damn sure. It's an honor to to donate. Yeah, that's what I was wondering.
0: Yeah, they got their tree from um, some cabin in the UP, and it was, like, literally, like, the only tree on the property. And so, like, you'd see before and after (laughs) pictures of it. It's sad. (laughs) It's very sad. Um, And so, yep, then they drove it all the way down to the Capitol and put it up and... Flipped some lights on and everybody cheered and then went home (laughs) it was was interesting but
1: yeah yeah I mean the video that you sent me was fairly (laughs) anticlimactic
0: I know everyone was just counting down and then they literally just flipped the switch and everyone's like
1: woo the (laughs) lights (laughs) on the tree came on (laughs) (laughs) that was funny yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, I started decorating my apartment this weekend now that I'm like home and done with the mostly done with the shittiest part of Mm -hmm. my job so like yes hell yeah yeah I got one of my paychecks and the overtime gave me a nice like six hundred dollar bump for the pay shit, period nice. and so and I think that was one of my lower weeks I think this next one will be bigger but I can't remember that was it was that's... uh it was nice to see help the grocery shop yeah right. yeah. yeah
0: no kidding like it's like ah uh, there's my work cashing in
1: yeah I bought a box of wine to celebrate you know hell yeah <laughs> put it to good use nice
0: speaking of wine I have like the winery that I work at we're having a Christmas party and everyone's allowed to like bring their significant other Mm -hmm. and I don't know if Ozzy's gonna be able to make it or not because he has to go down to Mexico to do some I don't know some kind of like memorial for his grandpa because it's been like a year since he passed and they do this kind of like this thing I don't know what it is but uh (laughs) he has to go down there for that and like He's trying to find a flight to make it work so that he'll go with he can go with me. Like his he's like he found a flight at midnight in Chicago on the same day of the party. I was like, why would you do that to yourself? Like yeah. that
1: would be absolutely miserable. You have no idea what the weather's gonna be like. It's just, yeah, yeah, not exactly. It. And it's like it's a Christmas oh, party. Who well, gives I mean, a fuck? Like. I know, but
0: at the same time, I'm like, I kind of want him to go, so I don't have to deal with these people all by myself.
1: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> so, but I'm like, I'm
0: like giving him the option, I was like, well, you can do what you want, like, you there, you don't
1: have to go, mm-hmm. but... Could you bring yeah, your I just, one friend, uh, Anna? I was gonna
0: say, I was I was thinking that I could, maybe I could just invite a friend, and then I wouldn't have to suffer alone. So, we'll see. We'll see what he decides, but yeah, because these people are just loud and
1: like they like dive into your personal life yeah it's a different it's a different world like the office environment mm-hmm. it really is exactly. i i hate it and i've i've been finding articles that, or at least they've been popping up um in my feed because you know how the internet works these days they they know how to, get yes. to you <laughs> listen to all your conversations but um, exactly i keep getting articles about how like Befriending your coworkers is not really a thing anymore, at least for people our age and younger. Like that's an older generation mm-hmm. thing, because that's like where you would make all of your friends is in the workplace. Your workplace is like right. your second family, which is not like a healthy idea <laughs> to yeah to no have pain. that kind of mentality about your workplace. Because yeah, um, it it was interesting about how like. Yeah, older people, like their coworkers are also their like closest friends for the most part. And it's just not a it's not a culture anymore. And then with the the teleworking that everybody does now, it's gonna be even less of a of a thing, which I'm excited about. Yeah.
0: Me too, because the less interaction with people the better. (laughs) I know people keep telling me at my job, like, oh, when COVID's done, you gotta like come out and visit us. I'm like yeah! <laughs> Thinking in my head, I'm not gonna. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, not yeah. not not interested. I'm glad that we
1: already made our...
0: <laughs> I mean, we did become friends at our work, but it was a field job, and I feel like the circumstances were different. It
1: was, yeah, and but we were in our tw- and, early 20s, though, and that's... Yeah. I mean, like, you definitely, like, will make... In your early 20s, you make friends at work, and then you go and you do other things. Like... You know, you go to yeah. your careers. It's not your job for life, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, because we we no longer work together, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I like so. you're the only person uh, that I'm still friends with that I've made. Like, you know, of of the friends that I've made while I've been working, uh, you're yeah. the only one that's still my friend. <laughs> like, I don't talk exactly. to anybody else.
0: If <laughs> you can't tell how social we are, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, could I could really I felt like this character in adaptation uh, yeah. was one that I could really relate to. <laughs>
1: yeah, between like Charlie and Susan, there were some uh-huh. very like um, lonely elements. That uh, yeah, there was <laughs> yes. in my notes. I have a very bold can relate next to something next to exactly. a very particular line in the movie. But uh, yeah, exactly. So I guess let's let's get into it. So I'm Jesse and I'm Erin and we're the Cage Queens. Trust
0: me, it's no fun. <laughs> and um, this week we watched Adaptation, which was released in 2002. And essentially, what it was about was this very self-loathing screenwriter that is hired to write uh, a script for a movie for uh, that based off a book that is about this man who is an orchid thief. And so the screenwriter who is played by Nick and his character's name is Charlie, he is a very like self-doubting person and he wants this. And so he has a lot of like problems trying to write this, uh, screen, right? Because it's just like, he, he doesn't want to over dramatize it. He wants to make sure it's accurate and he respects the author, but he's also so much in his shell that, like, he can't go and ask the author for help. And then when he finally gets the balls to go do it, there's a big plot that unfolds and it really (laughs) turns up the heat in the movie. Um, And I think the most, one of the most interesting parts of this movie is that Charlie has a twin brother named Donald. And so Nick Cage gets to play two roles, and Mm -hmm. in both of those roles, he's in a fucking fat suit. So it's awesome.
1: (laughs) And the, like, balding wig thing. uh, Oh, God. (laughs) That, like, little wiry, curly hair. It was just really gross. But, I mean, it, it... Like, they did a really good job of making it look like it was a part of his body. You know, like, that it was him. Yes. It didn't look like... A fat suit, like the Nutty Professor or something like that. You exactly. know, it didn't, it didn't have those kind of fat suit vibes. Um, Did so you that... read the fun fact about the fat suit? Yeah, that they they filled it <laughs> with like uh, beans to so the weight would shift correctly uh, while they were filming, and Nick sweat so much in it that they sprouted. <laughs>
0: Oh my god, I thought that was so fucking gross and I loved it yep. at the same time because I was like, look, adaptation
1: happening in his fat suit. <laughs> fucking nasty. Oh, loved it. Yeah. Um, did you also see the note that said that this was like one of the old this was I guess the first time maybe that Nick decided he was he wasn't gonna go by his acting instinct and he was gonna listen only to the directions of the director and he <laughs> like, it was one of his best performances or whatever I know I was like look at
0: Nick doing what he's supposed to do and thriving at it yeah <laughs> yeah because this was a character I thought like we could definitely see a different side of his acting with this character because a lot of times he's playing like the macho man, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when we get to see him being like a little weasel, it's kind of hilarious.
1: (laughs) What, what I really gathered from that bit of trivia is that people just don't really like Nick's personal style of acting. (laughs) Like they just really don't, don't get with it, you know? Uh, and
0: the, the the thing is, though, like, they know that's what they're going to get with Nick. So why do they, like, hire him to do something if they have a very specific way that he has to, you know, embody? If, like, they know that he's just going to do what he wants. So hopefully, uh, you know, at least he caved in this one. But we'll see how many other times he actually follows instructions.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm guessing this is... One of the few, but I don't know. Yeah. I guess, uh, you know, if this is the first one that he's really following the director, maybe he does more of that later, which is why he gets bigger name movies like National mm-hmm. Treasure, which is coming which down is the pipe. it's coming up! Yeah! Oh, so, I I'm, I'm excited.
0: I am, too. Um, yeah, and I was also thinking, did they really, even though that, that wig or whatever he had on, was a nice touch, I am I was thinking, like, did they really have to do that? Because his hairline wasn't, wasn't great to begin
1: with. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was like, they really didn't need to do that detail, but it, maybe it's... I mean, did yeah. you ever... Did they you accentuated look up a, it. Yeah, did you look up a picture of Charlie, the real Charlie Kaufman? Yeah. All? Yeah, they don't really look alike at no. all. Which I guess it exactly. doesn't matter, because, I mean, when Charlie... Yeah, this movie, it starts out as, you know... Like, it's it's a movie about itself, about the making of itself. Yeah. Really, is is what it is in the end. Um mm-hmm. and so I you know, Charlie Kaufman kind of just makes fun of himself throughout the whole thing, which I think is why he intentionally looks so much worse in Nick Cage than yes. he does in person.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was it was confusing trying to figure out what this was, because it it was exactly like that, like a movie about Itself, which was about a
1: screenwriter trying to write a movie, so it was like, whoa. Yeah, it was very meta and not in like the Facebook way, but yeah, yeah. Isn't that fucked up? I I don't know where to. I mean, like like we said, it's a movie about itself, so it starts out with Charlie trying to to adapt. The book that was actually based on an article that she wrote, and so it's mm-hmm. it's something very small and concise that's been expanded and expanded expanded into something that's that's no longer real anymore, um, because there wasn't a whole lot to go off of from the beginning, which is why mm-hmm. Charlie has so much trouble writing a movie about orchids.
0: Right. Yeah. Do you think the orchid thief is something that you're gonna? No. Um, you're going to read.
1: <laughs> no, I knew you were going to ask that. And I well, I thought about it uh before watching the movie. I was like, hmm, maybe this mm-hmm. would be one of the like one of the books I could th- throw down um on my list of things to read. But when we go through the movie, I feel like I've I've read the book because mm-hmm. I mean, maybe there's more in the book than than I think there is, but they they read you a lot of the book throughout the movie and yes and i feel like you see more of the book in the movie but you know yeah exactly so okay. it doesn't
0: seem like not worth it yeah you're not missing anything no. yeah exactly so pretty much the plot of the book is that it's based in florida and there's this guy who is like a horticulture enthusiast Mm-hmm. And he is on a mission to find this very rare orchid called the Ghost Orchid so that he can cultivate it and make money off of it. And his like little get around uh, wor- or workaround for it when he goes out because he goes and looks on it on like, you know, state state mm-hmm. land. And so he is working with this group of Native American Seminoles. And apparently, they're allowed to like harvest, you know, natural resources off of the land, um, and without any kind of repercussions for it. And so, then he works with them and have has them uh, extract the plants, and so that um, he can kind of get away with
1: mm-hmm. his work.
0: <laughs> um, and so, I guess the author Susan Orlean. Kind of dives into that story and gets to know this guy. His name is um, John LaRoche. La Roche. John, yeah. John LaRoche, yeah. And so she kind of gets a background story on his life, which is kind of tragic. And like when we first see him, he's this very like hillbilly type character. He doesn't have two front teeth, he's got a mullet, a mustache. He drives this sketchy ass van. And then, you know, when she dives into the story, she's like, whoa, he's actually a really deep character. And so, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh he's he was definitely like a really, I mean, everybody in the movie that's trying to um that's behind the the making of the movie, you know, of the screenplay. This this is going to be hard to talk about cuz it's going to get like it's yeah. going to get meta on itself and yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like the Tilda Swinton character, Valerie, she works for, I think she works for, like, a movie production company or whatever. They want to get the Orca Thief made into a movie, and she, among others, say, you know, what about the LaRoche guy? He's such a fun character. So, like, he, you know, he's supposed to be this, like, really interesting guy. And, I mean, he kind of is, but I feel like they just kind of really turn him into something bigger than what he is because they want him, they really plant the romance. They're like, well, what if she has, you know, uh, they're giving Charlie ideas for, for his story, even though he doesn't want to follow it. Uh, like what if he and Susan fell in love and, uh, Charlie, yeah, Charlie does get there at some point, but he tries so hard to stick to the, the original facts that he loses himself in that and then he starts like uh, imagining that he's speaking to other women but he's really like jerking off the whole time and oh yeah you know he's imagining like well, he, he doesn't imagine his brother but his brother's there uh, <laughs> in his house uh, giving him feedback too and he's getting all this this feedback to create a story that doesn't exist and i don't know where i'm going with all that
0: (laughs) did this movie know where it was going with that
1: (laughs) i know and that's the thing is like it just keeps (laughs) like bouncing around and you it bounces around between um charlie and uh donald i think i've been calling him daniel but i don't (laughs) honestly i don't remember i don't think so i think donald I don't yeah. even think you said his name before. I think you just said okay. his brother. His brother, okay. In my head, I feel like I was thinking Daniel. Because in my notes, when I was differentiating them, I was saying Nick C and Nick D. And so I oh. just <laughs> never really <laughs> remembered which, what their names were. Uh, or at least Donald, because they hardly talk about him. But, yeah. um... My God, I've completely lost my train of thought now. <laughs> fuck!
0: The what the fuck am I doing here? Fuck! Tell... Well, we can talk a little bit about Donald and and his character because he's pretty much just, when we first see him, uh, he's in Nick Cage's, er, sorry, (laughs) in Charlie's apartment. Yeah, he is. And uh, he's just, like, laying on his back, being a real piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of feel like he's just trying to trying to get on his feet to, uh, you know, make something of himself. And then he's like, hey, I think I'm going to be a screenwriter like you, but I'm going to do the a thriller uh, genre. Mm-hmm. Can you give me some ideas on how to do this? And, like, all throughout the movie, we see him, like, picking Charlie's brain on how he should edit his screenplay his screenplay and then he is like he's doing pretty good like he's not having writer's block like he knows what he wants and then uh he finishes his uh relatively fast and you know he eventually turns it in and gets really good feedback on it and then he's also more socially capable than charlie is so like he hits it off with the ladies a little bit better so he's pretty much just like the positive energy and then Mm -hmm. charlie's just like the negative energy.
1: They're, he's the um, polar opposite. He's he's yeah. what Charlie wishes he could be—the confident mm-hmm. guy who can talk to women, who can talk to Susan, <laughs> the writer of the book. Who, he he wouldn't like. He doesn't even really have a romantic attraction to. It's just that she's a woman, I think. Like right. that, she's just somebody that intimidates him, uh, and he can't quite get around it. But Donald can. Like Donald has. Has ev- all the the qualities that Charlie doesn't, and that's why Donald has no problem writing an entire screenplay and mm-hmm. and getting um, more positive feedback than Charlie ever would.
0: Yeah, it was very frustrating watching Charlie interact with women because, like, oh he God. would tell himself, like, "Come on, just make a move, do it. I'm gonna do it," and then he wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And then, like, so there's this one girl in the beginning, her name was Amelia, and they were kind of friends, but it seemed like she wanted to be more, but he just couldn't pull the trigger, and so then she pretty much said, I can't do this, I'm going to go find someone else. So he Mm -hmm. lost her, and then he's, like, sweating bullets talking to Valerie, which is, you know, the person who is going to hire him to do the screen, the screen, right? And then, um, then, like, when he convinces himself, like, I need to talk to Susan to figure out how I can write this. He is literally in the elevator with her, and he doesn't say a goddamn thing.
1: And you're like, how can you,
0: how? (laughs) Like, it was just like, like, like just fucking say something.
1: (laughs) He went all the way to New York, is in the building of the New Yorker where she works, gets to the floor that she works on, doesn't get out of the elevator, and the little arrow goes up and down and up and down and up and down, and then, you know, (laughs) she gets in the elevator and rides it all the way down with him, and he doesn't say a word. And then, yeah, and he when he does choose to speak to women, he always says the wrong thing. So like, mm-hmm. at the restaurant, um, when he's he's eating alone, and uh, the waitress comes over and notices like he's reading the Orchid thief, and she's like, "Oh, I love orchids and whatever." And he makes awkward conversation with her briefly. And then the next time that he goes back to this oh. restaurant, he tries to actually like, ask her to come to an orchid show with him away, like, in a different city. And he fucks it up so bad because he starts out too eager and, like, weird. And then as she's leaving, tries to ask her, and it makes it just really creepy. And, like, (sighs) he definitely loses it there. Yeah, Yeah, it was so
0: pathetic. Like, you just felt so bad for him because you're like, Jesus,
1: get it together.
0: It's so fucking bad. Uh, Yeah. Um, But luckily, um, when he does go to New York and he has, he calls his boy Donald and he's just chilling in their apartment with some like famous actresses. And Mm -hmm. he's like, hey, can you come out to New York and and help your boy out? And Donald's like, oh my God, yes, on my way. And so then he pretty much, he goes to New York and then they agreed that he's going to pretend to be Charlie and go talk to Susan so that they can get the down low on on the book. And then he goes and he, and then like Charlie's telling him, like, don't, don't play out a character. Don't be rude. Like, you have to be very mild mannered. Mm -hmm. And then Donald goes and was pretty much like, so you still fucking John LaRoche and... um yeah she denies it but he uh he senses that there's something more and that they need to go investigate.
1: Yeah. And and that's where the story just kind of takes off into something more like uh more, more fiction Hollywood <laughs> yeah more fictional yes. <laughs> than um than Charlie would have ever written in his story. Uh but like before they go and they They uh, do their little spy game. We, like, all throughout the movie, we're seeing Susan and, like, when she was writing the book. When she was Mm -hmm. getting all that information, spending all her time with John, doing all that crazy shit that he's doing. And from the beginning, we definitely get the sense that he's gross. She makes really mean notes about him on her little notepad about yeah. <laughs> his smelly car and his delusions of grandeur and stuff like that because he's very much uh, a guy who thinks he's the smartest man alive. Um, mm-hmm. He's just you know an enthusiast, but like they get this, they they kind of have a friendship, or at least that's what we we see. Is mm-hmm. you know even when she's back in New York, she's calling him in Florida and having conversations you know, over the phone, getting to know each other. And, and that kind of... We, and we don't know how much of that is true, how close they were, mm-hmm. because it's all under the, you know, the assumption that she's writing for the book, getting information for her book that, you know, and article and whatever. And uh, so when Donald leaves the meeting with his information that he gets from her because he could tell she's lying because of the answer Mm -hmm. that she gave to the famous person, like, that you would invite to dinner or whatever, the one Mm -hmm. famous dead person you'd have at dinner, and it was Einstein or Jesus was her answer, and he's like, that's a lie. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) it's a stupid question. (laughs) It's a real dumb question. I don't even have an answer for that because there is nobody I would want to have dinner with. Not a single person. if
0: there were, the question was alive or dead, obviously we would have Nick Cage. But since it's just
1: dead, I don't even know if <laughs> I'd want to have dinner with Nick Cage. It'd be too weird. Like it's just too much. I don't want that. I wish I could just be a fly on the wall at Nick Cage with
0: dinner with himself.
1: Yeah, like or dinner with somebody else, and then you just can watch Nick Nick from the interact. Yeah, yeah, I it's don't very really want a intimidating wanna be. personality. Yeah, I don't wanna. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. Admit, I don't think I could eat with him. At
0: me. <laughs> uh, maybe that is fat suit on. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, it'll um, never happen.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> you're telling me this podcast isn't gonna blow up? <laughs> <laughs> it's we're intentionally like boring people out of their minds, basically <laughs> at this point. <laughs> So we're right. the worst, but it's okay, okay. So the
0: funny thing is, um, in, in her book, she writes about how John makes some porn site. And so like when Donald gets back from talking to Susan, he like reads that in her book and he's like, I'm going to check this shit out. And then he like goes to the porn site and then, there Susan is front page of the fucking porn site, and he's like, "Yeah, we're Titty definitely out. going to Florida." Yeah. I know. Yeah. I
1: was like, "God damn!" <laughs> yeah, and so well, yeah, they they get like binoculars and they spy, you know, on her buying tickets and making phone calls, and so they yeah they know she's going to Florida, and so they follow her to Florida, and they find out that this orchid. That um the ghost orchid was being used to create some sort of hallucinogenic drug that people snort, and so <laughs> they go they follow to follow the vanda John's house where they can see this operation and and Charlie's, you know, looking through the windows because at first <laughs> Donald's gonna go, but Uh, Charlie's like, no, I should go. You know, it's my book. I need to know the, the info here. So he goes and he's Mm -hmm. peeking through the windows and he sees the operation. And then he sees, uh, them like snorting and fucking on the couch. And then, uh, John sees him through the window (laughs) and fucking chases after him, gets him. And they're all sitting there together and Meryl Streep, Uh, Susan's just like, wait a minute, I know who you are. Uh, You're that screenwriter they hired to write my book, or turn my book into a movie. And she's like, we have to kill him. And it becomes... Yeah, she goes
0: zero to a hundred real quick.
1: I I saw that coming, though, because, you know, she's all strung out, and it's like... Oh, yeah. The only thing that you, you know, the only possible solution right now to not ruin your own life would be to get rid of the one person that could ruin your life. So... Mm -hmm. She's like, we have to kill him. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to kill anybody, blah, 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 blah. But he goes along with her anyways. And she makes him drive his car, which I assume is whatever, the airport rental that they have, to the swamp. But in the back seat is Donald. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. Hiding underneath the coats. Uh, yeah. And they they get to the swamp. And Donald, like causes a distraction. I honestly was looking down and writing my my notes, so I didn't see what he did to like like get Charlie away from um Susan and John. I think he John, just
0: he just like popped out of the back seat, and so it like s- and like it just ran a distraction, shit, and it yeah, startled it just, her because yeah. like she was saying like, "Oh yeah, I just saw like a fat silhouette."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, that was that was actually pretty funny because that was the one description they kept using him. It's just like a fat yes. fuck, basically, just <laughs> yeah. just a fat white dude. Um, yeah,
0: exactly.
1: But yeah, they they get into the swamp to escape and. Uh, they while they're sitting there together, they have that, like, Donald and Charlie have a moment together where uh, Donald gives Charlie, like, another idea, basically. More inspiration, you know, mm-hmm. to help him along his writer's journey to finish this fucking screenplay.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, Susan and John are looking for him, but they can't find him. And then, I guess... They fall asleep in the swamp, and they wake up the next day, and (laughs) they don't see the van that John and Susan have, so they start to exit the swamp, and the van was just further down the road, and John was, I guess, sitting asleep with his gun on his lap, and he wakes up and shoots Donald in the arm, and... Donald and Charlie get in the car and they start driving away and they're like yeah we're gonna get out of this one and all of a sudden they slam into the park ranger's truck and Donald gets launched out of the windshield and is Hella dead at that point.
0: Okay. It was it was pretty funny when he was like making fun of himself. He's like, I can't believe I got a shot and then yeah. Charlie's like, Don't make fun of don't don't make jokes right now. And then they slam into the park ranger and then <laughs> the way they reenacted it, they just like took a dummy body and like chucked it out the window. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he got launched. It was really funny. But but then we realized he was dead. And I was like, oh, no, this is so tragic. And then, like, Charlie started singing this song about um, so happy happy together. together. (laughs) And then I was like, God, this is tragic. But then at that point, so Donald dies. And then um, John and Susan go race to see, like, what happened. And then they see that. You know, Charlie's still alive, and so they chase him into the swamp, and then there's there's gators in the swamp, and well, as John, they find him, and as John is literally about to shoot him, he gets just mulled by a gator, and he dies, and mm-hmm. Susan pulls him out. And all she has to say is pretty much that Charlie's a fat fuck, <laughs> and she can't believe that, you know, he ruined her life, and she wishes she could start over. And then Charlie stands up for himself, and he's like, "No, you're a drug addict bitch. Like this isn't my fault." Like, yeah. Um, and then he he escapes, yeah. and the cops show up.
1: Yeah, and he finally kisses uh Amelia after mm-hmm. he gets home and he goes out to I don't know what the fuck they were doing I can't remember Uh like they're saying goodbye to each other and she gives him a kiss or he gives he gives her a kiss and uh tells her that he loves her it's like yeah. dude I mean he had <laughs> a lot of other chances to not fuck that up and yeah. she even tells him like you're too late dude Um, but I love you too. And then she leaves. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then
0: there's this scene where he's like exiting the parking ramp and he's like, okay, finally, I, I've, I've got an ending to the, um, you know, to the movie and And it's literally what we saw. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
1: What we had just watched. That was the end. Exactly.
0: And his like perspective changes and then he's like full of hope he drives away, and then uh, it's this just, like, time-lapse of flowers um, opening and closing, which was pretty cool. And mm-hmm. the fun fact said that those flowers were actually Amelia flowers. I was like, oh, that's clever. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and then it ends. Oh, cool. That's... Huh. So,
1: yeah, it got a... Uh, it was pretty interesting. I really liked this movie. It was... More entertaining than pretty much any of the other movies we've seen so far. Yeah. Even though it started out kind of, it seems like it starts out kind of slow because you do spend a lot of time with Charlie being really annoying, you know, not being able to write, um, uh, and, and struggling to talk to people, but you get Donald also (laughs) at the same time. And he is so much more entertaining to, you know, in. Even though he's in the background, he really, like, spices things up and makes it interesting. And then you get the story with Susan and John unfolding, and that's also interesting. And then altogether, the way they cut between everything, even though it's a lot, like, if you were watching it all really, you know, passively, it's a lot of information. It was still mm-hmm. one of, I think, the better ones we've watched so far, for sure. Yes,
0: yes, I think... Uh the The screenwrite was a success. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I obviously looked up what parts of it were true and what were fiction. And I think the biggest thing was like, was there really a relationship between Susan and John? And the answer was no. Of course not. Of course not. No. And she, and apparently she was like very hesitant to have her character be portrayed the way it was like she was like say no I don't want this mm-hmm. this isn't who I am I don't want my name associated with this but then everyone else was like like Charlie was like my character's jerking off like 16 times like that's what my name is associated to like and then she's like oh yeah I guess if everyone else is doing it then I will too yeah
1: so. everybody is really a character of themselves they're not actually the they're their they're portrayals they're not um, mm-hmm. you know, it's supposed to be the actual character, but yeah, there, yeah, it was uh, it was really, actually interesting. and I can't imagine what it would have looked like otherwise, because mm-hmm. it was actually supposed to be, you know, adapted into a movie, and this is what we got was adaptation. Yeah, so <laughs> I would have been really interested to see how that could have actually turned out, but I like this a lot. So me too. You know, in the end, it doesn't really matter so much, but there was so much like um, self-referential things in the movie. Like we start out because it's it's a Spike Jones movie, directed by Spike Jones, written by Charlie Kaufman, and we start out with footage from Being John Malkovich, which came out in ninety nine directed by Spike Jones and written by Charlie Kaufman, and Mm. they have this, like, archival footage or whatever that shows Charlie Kaufman in the background of a set, but it's actually Nick Cage as Charlie Kaufman (laughs) on the set of being John Malkovich in 99, and it was so, like, it's so fucking deep into itself, but I was actually really impressed by how much effort they went through to have that just that, that layer, one bit. yeah, yeah, just that extra <laughs> yes. little layer, and then it also made me kind of want to watch Being John Malkovich. Did you do yeah. any any no, research didn't. on that? I Yeah, didn't. I mean, like it just looks like a really fucking interesting movie now, and it got really mm-hmm. good reviews, so I might have to, I might have to hit that up after this. Yeah, that'd but... be pretty good.
0: That'd be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Instead of reading the or- the Orchid Thief, just <laughs> watch Being John Malkovich. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah I think um, this movie was surprisingly way better than I thought it would be just reading the description it sounds bland but yeah there's a lot mm-hmm. of twists. there's a lot of relatability there's a lot of depth <laughs> so yeah two thumbs up
1: <laughs> this might be your most positive review yet I know I've never given to <laughs> any, of, any of these movies know, so is this our so. number one is this number one whoa
0: more than fast times at Ridgemont High when I think of number one I think about like you know watchability like how many times will I rewatch this you know Mm -hmm. but like this is just one where watching it once was good enough (laughs) like I don't know I don't know if you need to watch it more than once (laughs) because like all the fun stuff happened because of all
1: the surprises that were there so, right. Yeah, it's diff. It, I suppose it would be different. I mean, I'm gonna have to rewatch it because now we gotta pull like all of our little Nick clips out. Yeah. And uh, ooh, that is such a good word for them, Nick clips. Nick clips.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta pull those
1: out, and so I have to rewatch the whole thing. But it's gonna be definitely different now, knowing everything that we know about the movie. Right. So I'm um, curious.
0: Well, I think it's definitely top five. I think it should go. Over Honeymoon in Vegas. I don't know if it should go over Con Air.
1: I kind of liked it more than Con Air. Just... The, I like the plot better. I was, it might just be because there was less action in this movie. Yeah. Con Air has a lot of action. And I'm not... Re- like, I'm already not into action movies. Right. And so, like... The little bit of action that we have in um, adaptation is about enough for me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just Nick Cage's character in Con Air was so likable. It so good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but good. these but characters are so,
0: yeah, Donald <laughs> is just so silly. The way he flung out of yeah. that car window.
1: <laughs> oh, it's hard. It's hard. So yeah, it's, I so it's either number two or it's number three, I guess. That's what it comes down to. It's either better than Conair or worse than Conair. I mean, in our terminology. Yeah.
0: Oh no. I mean, you can't get better than two Nicks, so let's just put it as number
1: two. <laughs> that is too true. There are two Nicks in this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are getting up to his more well-known uh, works, and we'll, I mean, the I know the Wicker Man is right around the corner, and haven't watched it in a long time, but that one I might know. be going up towards the top, too, so, Definitely. <laughs> you know. It's getting harder. I just need to lie down while you explain this to me. <sighs> Sorry, I apologize. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay, go. All right.
0: All right. Now, what do we have next?
1: Next is Matchstick Men. So, Matchstick Men came out in 2003. It's rated PG 13 and it's just shy of two hours long again. Mm. They need to stop making such long movies, really. I know. <laughs> just go back to like hour and a half tops. For real. So, this one's a uh, comedy, crime, drama. A phobic con artist and his protege are on the verge of pulling off a lucrative swindle when the former's teenage daughter arrives unexpectedly.
0: Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> this one, so Adaptation had 7.7 7 stars out of 10 on IMDb. This one has 7.3. So it okay, is so fairly that's... highly rated. So that's Interesting. kind of... That's what I'm going to hold on... gonna hold on to Um, again the description doesn't sound the best but I guess we'll
1: we'll see I mean it's it's a weird description because I'm kind of confused on the plot I mean clearly (laughs) some girl comes in and fucks shit up so I guess we'll see what happens our boy Nick plays a character named Roy Waller I don't really recognize anybody else though in this movie like I None of these other names are familiar to me. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. So that doesn't bode well. Maybe Sam Rockwell. (laughs) We've probably seen him in something, but... Yeah, he's
0: got one of those faces. Looks familiar. Yeah,
1: it's a name that I've heard.
0: All right. Well, I guess we'll see. So this episode ends with Aaron and Jesse feeling hopeful that the next movie will be just as good. Anyway, it's done. And that's something.